Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. To another episode of Purple Insider, Matthew Collar here, along with ESPN's Courtney Cronin. We've got some fun stuff. We've got a game based on what we think the Vikings' final record will be, and we have got a football game with a lot of hype, Courtney, that we have to hardcore break down, and I'm excited about that. There have been so many games that we've gone into where I don't even know if we mentioned a Lions player. Before, like Lions week, it's just like, look, if you lose to the Lions, man, this is going to get really ugly. And even Carolina, we talked a little bit about how they match up and so forth. But going into that game, the whole vibe was you better beat Carolina. And now it's much more. Here's how these two teams match up against each other. And I'm enjoying that part of this week, Courtney. The last time that we did this was the Browns week. That was the turning point of the season. I know Andre Patterson says that us media members create a soap opera and it's a roller coaster of days of our lives and how we write about games and stuff and that they have to play 17 of them so it really doesn't matter what happens early in the season. But when you are writing the story arc of the season, you have to ride the wave. And that's what we have done as two people who have been on this beat for a while and covering this team for a while of – this is what a three and three team looks like to where now we're at the top of the roller coaster, right? Like, and I guess maybe the roller coaster isn't the best analogy because you're going to go down. That's just what happens on roller coasters. But who knows? Maybe the car go off the tracks and it goes towards the ceiling, <laughs> towards the sky if they win this game. Because A, first time they're over 500 for the first time this season. And B, They've gotten the hard test out of the way. They go against the league's number one offense, a team that has a banged-up Dak Prescott but an excellent offensive line, a ton of weapons, and they've got the rest of their schedule coming up over the next three weeks after that, You know, the, the swing from the East Coast at Baltimore to the West Coast at the Chargers and then Green Bay at home. If you start out on a hot streak there, you're feeling your oats. You're feeling confident. You're feeling like you're in a good spot where – Baltimore did not look good against the Bengals when we saw them, and that would have been the last time we – it's the last time we will have seen them before the play, they play the Vikings in Week 9. So a lot at stake here. I think that this, you know, I wouldn't say it's a – it's, you know, game of whatever. Like, I mean, yeah, certainly I think it's game of the week. It could very well have the capability of being that. But it could also be yet another turning point as the world turns if we want to keep using these soap opera references. Um, I don't think you got that one because you're looking at me like I'm stupid. No, no, no. I know a lot about soap operas. Uh, I don't think uh, the Vikings want their players to end up in General Hospital. Oh, I Uh, like that one. The General Hospital injury report. Uh, I used to watch a lot of General Hospital as a kid because I grew up without cable. Sure. So So you got the network TV. Right. You had cartoons and then you had soap operas and whatever was on PBS. So, yeah, I watched a lot yeah Um, but I mean then again it's like you know circling back on it this is a turning point game because this will be the stretch that defines their season defines whether they're a playoff team 
and whether they're like a convincing playoff team or a backing your way in playoff team because you have to if you you have to win games in this stretch because you're not going to be able to you know recoup for so to speak at at the end of the season starting with Detroit September uh, Saturday December 5th yeah and there are winnable games but I'm not going to declare San Francisco like yeah, an easy win I'm not going to declare Chicago an easy win because they are still Chicago. And uh, I mean, the Vikings would be happy if Matt Nagy got fired because he beats them usually. Uh, But, you know, to your point about how um, Andre Patterson said, well, you guys hype up every game as if it's the game that turns the year. But that's sort of the, you know, that's the nature of the NFL. Well, But it's the nature of being mediocre, really. Sure. I mean, it's the nature of being a team that's in the middle is that all of a sudden these games become absolutely huge when you have a, a big opponent to win. If you are uh, a team that's five and one right now, like Dallas, this game does not turn your season because you are a number one offense though. Being a number one offense always correlates mm-hmm. to being in the playoffs. It often correlates to being in the Super Bowl. So you're pretty confident that even if you have a bad loss against Minnesota, you're going to be okay. But if you're the Vikings and you drop to three and four, and then you're looking at those next few games, then all of a sudden it feels like you're scratching and clawing. It's felt like they're scratching and clawing yeah. really from the first two weeks of the season. Dating back to last year at this point, they were scratching and clawing. Granted, they were in a far bigger hole starting out what, one and five into the bye, and then they rattle off a bunch of wins there in October going into November, but they were still in the fight to just get to 500, to just be one game above 500 if they could ever get there, and they didn't. So that's um, like that's the territory they want to steer clear of, and they gave themselves enough leeway here where they're three and three coming into this thing. They don't have a whole ton of room for error, though. Like, I'm not saying that... It's impossible to go toe-to-toe with Dallas, but you're really going to have to pull out a lot of stops to do it because, you know, who knows? I mean, the Chargers look human, Baltimore looks human, but those are two road games, back-to-back weeks, and, you know, at that point, I don't think you can guarantee anything. So win the games while you can, and I don't know. I get kind of the vibe that they're very confident this week. Maybe it's just coming off the bye. They feel healthy. They're in a better situation. Like you mentioned General Hospital – better situation health-wise than the Cowboys are right now. They're not dealing with an injury to their quarterback and all of that, but I still think that they look at this and say, whew, the way we played offensively the last two weeks, from the execution to the conservativeness, it cannot happen if you're going to beat this team. No, they need the second half of Carolina to be the whole game, not you go through the first, you know, it used to be uh, for a few games there, the first half, it was exciting and they would put up a bunch of points and then they would struggle. And then in this last game, it was struggling for a half. And then it was, you know, lighting the world on fire. It needs to be a complete game. Or even if you're not scoring, moving the ball. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's been something they've talked about a lot this week is at least don't let the defense have to go back out there at three and outs and they lead the NFL in three and outs. So that can't happen. And there's a lot of different reasons why, um, but the overall up and down nature of even within games, um, you can get away with it against Detroit. You could get away with it against Carolina. You, you cannot will not be able to right, against Dallas against Dallas. So let's do this um, before I have a schedule game for you in a standings game. Uh, I want to talk about the three keys to the game for the Vikings, because to me, that's the most essential way to break down a football game, right? When they put up on the, the graphic on the game before, you know, it, kickoff or something and it says 
run the ball or whatever. Like, Third down defense. Right, right. right. But let's don't let's, turn the ball over. I mean, right. did we not just see this on the screen going up to practice? Like their key, like their lame keys to the game. I mean, it's, <laughs> yes. it's the most obvious stuff. Yes, but no. Let's go full on Fox, CBS. Like, yeah. do I get my little picture and like my little graphic and all that? Yeah, I'm but all let, for it. But let's do a better job of it. So I would say the first key is that the cornerbacks, and this is not just Dantzler. The cornerbacks have to have a good night. Mm-hmm. They can't have penalties. They can't get roasted for big plays. And they have to at least hold Amari Cooper within check and hold C.D. Lamb within check because they're going to make plays and they're going to pick up yards. But forcing Dak Prescott to use his running backs and his tight ends to, to throw the ball, they're all good. Like They have a good tight end. They have good running backs. But forcing him to work the ball to them and not to the most dangerous players, I think is maybe the biggest key here. And the other thing is, too, that you can't just fool Dak Prescott at the line of scrimmage. No. Um, even Adam Zimmer talked about this, where he's very smart pre-snap. He's very smart after the snap. You can't just, oh, we're going to drop our safeties back, and he melts, like we've seen from some other quarterbacks. So that, to me, becomes much more of a man-on-man type of game because you're not just going to trick him and then get 10 sacks. Or something. So I think that really comes down to Breland Dantzler being at an extreme disadvantage and at least holding their own and not having a Mike Hughes night where he's targeted 20 times by Dak Prescott because he will do that. And they still won that game. They got very lucky that they won that game. They did. Um, Thanks, Kyle Rudolph. But no, I mean, I agree with you. I think that the cornerbacks here, if you're just looking for a potential mismatch in terms of who's going to be favored in that, it would obviously be Dallas. I mean, Dak Prescott has a ton of weapons at his disposal. You remember this catch that CeeDee Lamb made last year, which ended up winning them the game. And that wasn't even from Dak. That was from Andy Dalton. Um, You know, Amari Cooper has been terrific this year. They've got, you know, tight ends that they can rely on. Like, I don't know if there's a more complete offense. And when I talk about complete, I'm talking about the offensive line too. Their pass protection is so good. And that's the only reason I'd be confident knowing that, hey, Dak's, he, 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 even before this calf injury, he looked fine. He did not look like he was hampered by the ankle and coming back from the two surgeries last year, whatever. But now it's like, all right, is mobility going to be an issue? Is he still going to be that guy that you expect to take off and run if he really is dealing with that calf injury? Well, he might not have to because they are so complete from the front to all of their skill guys. But, you know, Breland, here's the thing. When I look back at that Carolina game, and I think the the stat that NFL G, uh, NFL Next Gen Stats had is that Darnold was 0 for 6 when targeting Breland or when targeting um, receivers where Breland was the closest defender. That's kind of a misleading stat because of how many drops Carolina had. We had them with six. I think PFF had them with eight, something like that. Like it was terrible. But is there confidence in Bashad Breland that it's the light bulb is finally turned on that the technique has been something he's finally bought into because the way that he covers here versus the way that they cover in Kansas City is clearly very different. I asked Andre Patterson about that yesterday, just wondering, is there anything he can carry over? Because talk about a roller coaster and a soap opera. That guy has been the focal point of it for his own 2021 season. He's been all over the place. Now he's your number one corner going into this game with Patrick Peterson on IR with a hamstring injury. So what does that look like? (sighs) Don't be dumb. 
Do not do not be the do not be the version of yourself you've been throughout your career. We're getting penalized a ton. And for Dantzler, I think it's pay attention. Stay locked in. Stay focused. Do not let them get behind you. Because CeeDee Lamb's one of these guys where it doesn't look on tape like he's moving very fast, but somehow he gets behind your defense, and he has these incredible hands. He can make contested catches if you're trying to fight with him. And even, like, you know, beyond that, he's just so good at, you know, ball control, tracking the ball, the whole thing. So how do they play them? How big of a role does Mackenzie Alexander have in this too, you know, coming out of the slot? I would really wonder if Mike Zimmer decides he wants to play a whole ton of cover two this game and, uh, you know, just try to, you know, force stack into situations like that. You have to throw, from from a defensive perspective, you have to throw the kitchen sink at them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So your point about the slot is exactly correct. I mean, D.D. Uh, D.D. C.D. Lamb, mm-hmm. 27% of his snaps in the slot, Amari Cooper, 31%. So those guys are making up one or the other, uh, a big percentage of plays where they're lining up in the slot, which we haven't talked a lot about Mackenzie Alexander this year because he's just been fine. Uh, but that is a potential dangerous matchup there with those two guys and quarterback rating for Dak Prescott. When he throws to Amari Cooper this year, 130.4. And when he throws to CD lamb, 115.3, I'll give you one more stat. That is kind of scary for this Viking Got a secondary. Michael Gallup stat in there. Uh, there is. Well, Michael Gallup hasn't played as much this year because he's been hurt. But contested catches, Dallas is 22 for 38, according to PFF, mm-hmm. on contested catches. So they are making the 50-50 the ball more than 50% of the time. And that's why on the other side, I think that the screen game is really important for the Vikings because they have to put together methodical drives. Everyone wants explosive plays. That's fine, and you need them to win. But when they were able to run effectively and throw screens effectively against Seattle, that's what led to a lot of those long drives. And I think that that goes on the keys to the game graphic is be successful, rip off a couple of big screen plays, take advantage of the aggressiveness of the Dallas defense, and you've got a chance to put together longer drives to keep Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb on the sideline. Yeah, and the aggressiveness of the defense, like you bring that up, but they're still giving up a lot of yards. Like that's something where I'm not as too concerned. You know, I, I expect this to be the, the scoreboard to not necessarily reflect. I mean, this should be a 40 point affair. That's what I picked. Um, the, the first team basically to 40 wins, but. You could be seeing the 571 yards of offense-type stat that you saw against Carolina in this game because Dallas is going to – they're going to allow you to play. They'll play – they're aggressive, they're reckless is what Mike Zimmer said, but they still are not – I mean, they're they're not anywhere close to, like, where they need to be. Um, The screen game for the Vikings – what is going on with it this year? Like, that's my question. Like, guys are – you saw the one that got blown up where Dalvin Cook got – banged up on that one play in Carolina. I'm not entirely sure what happened on that, but it didn't look pretty at all. Those types of things can't happen. What about wide receiver screens? Remember this team used to be an explosive wide receiver screen team. Why can't more of that happen? Like, you know, they did it with they did it on the in that play on that drive on overtime where he went from Jefferson to Thielen and he audibled the line, I believe. Kirk did. He made that call. So that's um that's probably one of the better points of emphasis for this offense where, you know, you don't want to get into a match where Trayvon Diggs is 
is taking away Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and all you have really is that third check down read to, to K.J. Osborne. That's not going to get it done. You can utilize Dalvin Cook in that fashion. I don't know why they wouldn't. Sam Ekstrom here, wondering if you're stuck on your company's injury report. In an unfortunate situation like that, it's good to have someone in your corner. That's where Kemet Sanford and Kramer Law can help you understand your rights under Minnesota's workers' compensation laws. There's enough uncertainty in our lives nowadays that the last thing you want is to feel helpless if you wind up in a bad situation after a workplace injury. Kemet Sanford and Kramer will fight for you if there's been a wrongfully denied work comp claim so you can get the benefits you deserve. If your claim's been accepted, they help with rehabilitation disputes, medical disputes, help you get a second opinion, and ensure you're getting all the benefits you're entitled to on an accepted claim. Kemet Sanford and Kramer will provide you with dedicated and experienced disability attorneys that have secured their clients tens of millions of dollars. Our good friends Mike, Pat, and Evan will handle all that messy legalese to and from the insurance company about your claim while you focus on what's important, your recovery. And there's no cost involved for reaching out to Kemet Sanford and Kramer. In fact, you don't pay a dime unless they successfully obtain your benefits. You get paid, then they get paid. It's that simple. The website is yourminnesotaworkcomplawyer.com where you can find a phone number to get a free consultation. This is an attorney advertisement from Kemet Sanford and Kramer, yourminnesotaworkcomplawyer.com. Yeah, I think that um, picking their spots to be aggressive because Trayvon Diggs is so good at mm-hmm. making plays on the ball, picking their spots and forcing them to become impatient, I think is maybe the way to put it for me. If you throw the screens and you get those going and then you sort of, forcing them to get frustrated by giving up 8, 10, 12 yards um, pretty often. Now, you're aware of this, I'm sure, but uh, I'm not sure the listening audience is that uh, Dallas has a player on their defense who is sort of built for this kind of thing, for blowing up screen passes, playing well against the run, and being a kind of a special weapon for them. Do you know who I'm talking about? J. Ron Curse has played oh, yeah. 351 right. snaps for the Dallas Cowboys, has a 90 tackling grade, a 90 pass rushing grade, of which he's done quite a bit. It's a J-Ron revenge and, game. And an 80 run defense grade. J-Ron Curse has become like one of those players that they move all over, and it was what we saw that he could be against or for the Vikings. Yeah, when he but played the big nickel role. He ended up in the doghouse and never got to do it. Um, when we talk about the Dallas defense, their aggressiveness, over-aggressiveness, they're not necessarily an amazing pass rush team, but I do think they just have some guys who are ballers, and Curse, we know that that's kind of him. Um, every time he got into games with the Vikings, he made plays. It was just that he didn't get in that often. Randy Gregory has had a great start. Micah, Micah Parsons, Parsons yes, yeah. has had a great start. And so it's a really interesting matchup because I feel like there's opportunities to rip off big plays, there's opportunities to stay on the field and, and take advantage of aggressiveness with, you know, rollouts and with screens and things like that. But they're also dangerous, and that's what makes them so such an interesting um, matchup, I think, for the Vikings. That you know, the Vikings have played safely a lot, conservatively. They haven't turned the ball over. They haven't taken sacks, and now they've got. They have to push the pedal down a little more with a great offense on the other side. But you have a defense that can make plays. I just, I really like from a pure football perspective, how many different angles there are 
to trying to analyze this Vikings and Cowboys match. Yeah, I'm looking at the stats right now. Jaron actually leads the team um, in tackles so far this year. He's got also like four four of them for loss, four quarterback hits. Wow. Um, he's having a good two, year. Yeah, he's having a great year. And this is somebody who we didn't think was going to be on the team. I thought he was getting cut. He thought it – he made it sound like he thought he was getting cut back in September. No, I mean, that's – you, I think that that's kind of the influence that they have there, where Dan Quinn can have a whole diff, a whole lot of different things that they do on the back end. What did Mike Zimmer call it? Like the Seattle zone style uh, thing that he brought over from Seattle. It's a little different than what he was doing in Atlanta, so it's probably more like what he was doing in Seattle. And for them to come around this year and look differently. We talked to Xavier Woods about it today. I mean, granted, he was not there with Dan Quinn, but like seeing kind of what Mike Nolan's scheme was and just how confusing and just whack it was. Like, it just didn't make any sense. And you had got, I mean, he was playing up in the box a ton. He was like kind of all over the place. He had like two good games and then he fell off. Well, it feels like this scheme, like, honestly, Dak coming back, wonderful. Like, I don't think it's too much of an overstatement, though, that Dan Quinn is easily one of the MVPs of this team though for helping doing what he's done to change this defense around yeah no I agree I mean the fact that uh, they have been as aggressive as they have been mm-hmm. and been able to put together these types of turnovers I mean that's Seattle-esque yep and even when they were in Atlanta and they had a great offense didn't have the best defense they had enough playmakers to at least turn games and that's where you'd be concerned here with the Vikings it's like, okay, you know that you're going to get some good one-on-one matchups for your receivers. You're going to break off some big plays. They're going to make some mistakes that open up the door for you. But did they get the strip sack? Did they get the interception? Uh, because that's what they've done so far this year, causing turnovers at the very top of the league. And uh, the other thing, too, is that when you go through these rosters, there's just a lot of talent on the field in terms of like your one-on-one matchups mm-hmm. of Jefferson versus Diggs or Thielen versus Diggs. Lamb um, versus Breland. Well, okay, I wasn't thinking that, but maybe Harrison Smith <laughs> sure. in, in secondary. Um, I was thinking a lot about, though, the um, matchup between Randy Gregory and Christian Derrissaw. Yeah. Are you ready to say that Christian Derrissaw is ready for all of this after seeing one start from him, or do you need to see a lot more? I need to see a lot more. I know that people are confident, and yeah, he had a great game against Carolina. He only allowed one pressure, didn't give up a sack, handled Hassan Reddick, handled uh, Brian Burns, even though Dalvin Cook let us know that he had two blitz pickups or you know two times where he was left on him one-on-one. Nonetheless, I think Darisaw will figure out how ready he actually is, how much the, like missing the offseason did or did not impact him in these coming games because this is the type of pass rush, which it's not elite, it's not great, and he saw two good pass rushers before, but sustaining that – knowing that you don't have another bye coming up, that you know, you're know you in a situation where you have a long season ahead. How does that – what does that look like? What does that look like for Christian Darisaw as far as, you know, being comfortable, being in that spot where, you know, I don't know. Carolina is not very, a very good team. So, yeah, defensively they did some good things, but I just feel like the, with the bulk of the schedule coming up here, Christian Darisaw is going to have a test to figure out, okay – 20, 20, you know, late twenties pick for him. How how much did that actually pan out for the Vikings this year? Because think about it, 
he's the only rookie that will have by the end of the year, as of right now with Kane Wong, who's going to be back returning kickoffs as we found out uh, from the special teams coordinator, Ryan Ficken earlier today. That's his first, that's his season debut this year. What other contributions have they got from gotten from their rookies? They need Christian Derisaw to play well because Wyatt Davis is not all of a sudden going to magically like replace Ole Udo this week, even though Udo has not been very good recently, but I don't know. Darisaw still has a lot to prove, I think, just because it's such a limited sample size. Like, it, there really is not that much to go off of outside of the Carolina game where he started. Yep, and uh, Randy Gregory is one of the highest-rated pass rushers in the entire NFL. Um, Brian Burns, oddly, has had not a great season. Up and, and down, he yeah. He was not super impressive, but he did, and I was looking at this play back on tape the other day just to see how close it was. In overtime... Burns blows by Christian Darisaw oh, and yeah. gets both hands on Cousins. And if he doesn't go for the strip sack, which he clearly did, uh, he gets a big sack there in that game. And he probably should have just taken down Cousins. So uh, if there are moments like that with Randy Gregory, I mean, it's national TV. There's a lot of pressure on Christian Darisaw. He's one of the guys to watch here. Um, before we get to our uh, Vikings record game, who do you think in this contest has – the coaching advantage. I mean, Mike McCarthy's really good coming out of the bye. I think he has a record in his career of like 10 and four coming off of bye weeks, most of that with Green Bay. So there's something to be said about that, I guess. I think, I mean, Mike Zimmer has seen Dak before. They beat them in 2019. They lost to them at home last year. I don't know if – I mean, nothing's certainly just like Zimmer and the ties to Dallas. I don't think there's really any sort of carryover that you – that was forever ago. But I'd like to say Zimmer has the coaching advantage in this just because of the clock management goofs that you constantly expect from a Mike McCarthy team. But I'm not convinced that they can win the way that they played in Carolina and the way that they played against Detroit. I mean, you heard it yesterday when Kirk Cousins was asked, and I'll read it verbatim. Um, he was asked about kind of like points at being at a premium, not settling for field goals, knowing that you're going against an offense that on average is scoring 10 points higher than you per game. Um, and he said just about like, you know, how you have to approach that quote. I think you have to be aware of the team you're playing which includes the offense and the special teams, and just be aware of the whole picture. And much of that is coaching decisions as opposed to me, the player. So what do I take from that? It's let me do what I need to do. Do not be afraid that I'm going to keep turning, that I'm going to turn the ball over. I know how this looks. Sunday night football. What always happens? He sees ghosts. He may have a good stretch. Like think about that Chicago stretch or the week be, the before the Chicago stretch in 2018. He was playing pretty well. Sunday night football in Chicago. He has a meltdown, and then they that's where they lost the season in those next couple games when they had Green Bay, and then they had they beat Green Bay, but they had you know, Seattle, the Patriots, England, yeah. Seattle, the whole thing. Like this is your time to like fully trust Kirk Cousins because it just doesn't feel like the trust is fully, fully mm -hmm. there. And I and I don't know if it ever will be from Mike Zimmer because he, I feel like he thinks always around the corner there's going to be a turnover that costs them. If they can just win with their defense here and play keep away, mm. that it'll be the way that they can win games and get themselves in the playoffs. But I worry it's like Zimmer getting in his own way. So I still will give him the coaching advantage. I think that that's fair because I think McCart McCarthy makes too many mistakes just from like a 
clock management perspective, but some of the in-game adjustments just in terms of timeouts and, and other things, like the Vikings haven't been like stellar. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I will give Mike Zimmer the, the advantage just because I think defensively he's going to have a lot of, like a lot of exotic things for Dak this week. Yeah, to me it's more of Mike Zimmer's defense versus Kellen Moore's offense. And Mike McCarthy is not very good, like you said, at those details, when to call timeouts, when to punt, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that they're equal in that they're both flawed, very professional coaches. So it's not we're not talking about Joe Judge versus Urban Meyer here of guys who just have no idea what they're doing and this will be their only coaching <laughs> yeah, gig. Yeah, exactly. And, right? They're just clueless. This is not that. These are two very good coaches when it comes to game planning, preparing for their opponents. And then I think Kellen Moore is one of the elite offensive minds in the league. He knows how good his quarterback is, and he leans into that. That's the criticism I would have on the offensive side for the Vikings is that they don't lean into their quarterback the same way that Dallas does. Um, and he deserves it, right? Like At this, at point, this yeah. point, yeah. Until he does something, I don't think you back off of it. Yeah, I mean, it's not even, I mean, deserves it, yes, from the way he's played. But it's also, like, if you're going to go down swinging, you should go down with the guy that you went all in on as a franchise. Sure. Right? So, um, yeah, there's also hanging over this, and I just don't know what to make about, like, Dak's health. Yeah. And so that goes into the coaching, too, of, like, how do they work around that? Because clearly he's not going to be at 100%. Well, I mean, if you're the Vikings, you are confident in the fact that you lead the league or second in sacks, wherever they left off, um, and that you have the top pass rush in the NFL. Yes, their offensive line is really good, but you should be confident in the fact that, A, you have depth. Maybe you end up doing something. I mean, what we heard about, I mean, this is Stephen Weatherly. This is not a lot of snaps, but – I'm curious to see what the second half looks like for this defensive line in terms of those rotational roles. Is it Kenny Willekie is getting the nod off the practice squad? Is your third round pick Patrick Jones going to get some of those weatherly snaps a game? Like those eight to 20 snaps, wherever that range falls, they have to go somewhere. So you can keep guys fresh. You can throw Griffin on the inside and have, you know, a DJ Wanham on the outside and do what you need to do to be able to get a, get, you know, around that very athletic uh, offensive line that they have, and they're big. So, you know, they're. I think if you're Dallas, you're banking on the fact that you have a bunch of pro bowlers there in the middle specifically um, to be able to protect against, you know, your quarterback and his calf so he can step up in the pocket and make plays. But I don't know. I saw the thing today that Mike McCarthy said he thinks it's going to take it all the way down the wire this week. I mean, he's playing. There's no doubt in my mind that Dak Prescott is playing this week, but – how, how limited will his mobility be? Folks, football season is in full swing, but we've got basketball and hockey getting rolling as well. And Soda Stick has got you covered. You have to see the Moose t-shirt designs for Marcus Foligno. You can also get your hands on the very popular Dollar Bill Kirill shirts as well. On the basketball side, the design with three wolves howling at the moon, perfect for the spooky fall season. And the design with the wolf carved into the state of the Minnesota is just awesome. It's very cool stuff. And hey, for you college football fans, Check out the Tanner Morgan t-shirts as well. Soda Stick has tons of hats and hoodies with all their great designs on them. You will love it. Go to SodaStick.com. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K. Check that out today. Use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. And also follow myself and Soda Stick on Twitter for our giveaways. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's funny because that has been less of a thing for him in recent years that, like, early in his career, it was very much um, a thing I think he had to do a lot, run around. Yeah. uh, But maybe less in in terms of recently that he can stand in the pocket and he can deliver. And he's I think he's become an excellent um, pocket passer. But how they scheme to deal with that both sides is going to be part of this. Um, So let's, uh, before I get to the record game... Um, who you think's winning? So I said it's the first to 40, and I think there's a two-point differential with their defenses, and Dallas is scoring about 10 points more per game than the Vikings. I have Dallas winning 40-38. I think it will again be a close wow. game. That's a lot of points. It should be a very exciting game. Like Some of these Sunday Night Football games have been like that. I do think, though, that Dallas comes away victorious, and they're 6-1, and the Vikings then are going to Baltimore at 3-4. and four. So I'm going to say the Vikings win, and I. It wouldn't surprise me if they did. Let me just throw that out yeah. there. Like I don't. To me, that was a coin flip, just because I was basing it at the end on the offense for Dallas. But I think the Vikings could win. Um, and I'm going to go a much lower score. I'm going to go 28-24. Uh, I okay. think that the Vikings will play their game, and they'll keep Dak Prescott off the field, and there will be enough in terms of his injury that it's going to slow them down just a little from. You know, this being a track meet. I don't know if that's what's really going to happen or not, but that's my projection for this. Okay, so now here's the way I want to do this. If the Vikings win, we're going to play this scenario. If the Vikings win, what will their final record be? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to walk back from the best possible record if they were to beat Dallas. And if you think it's not possible, go blue. If you think it's somewhat possible, yellow. If it's really possible, orange, and if it's definitely going to happen, is, red. This is like a pie okay? chart of yeah. like things. This yeah, is, but you know what a meter looks uh, like, right? This it's is just like, I mean, blue, yellow, orange, red. Blue, yellow, orange, blue red. Blue is never going to happen. yellow, orange. Yellow I'm, is I'm telling maybe. myself this so I can write okay. it down. Hold on. Blue. Oh, my gosh. It's any yellow. meter. Any meter you've ever I've seen. I've never seen a meter before You've never my seen life. a meter. Orange, red. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, I'm ready. all right. So the best possible record they could have. If they beat the Dallas Cowboys, it would be fourteen and Blue. three. Blue, okay. yes. So now I'm gonna walk back. Okay. okay. So how about thirteen and four? Blue. All right. Twelve and five. Yellow. Okay. So you think twelve and five is possible if they beat Dallas? If they beat Dallas, because then they'd be on a roll. Like I think Baltimore, they're so banged up. Maybe the bye helps them. Um, 
San Francisco, for example, I know you said you're not ready to count them out. I'm not either, but what the heck is going on there? They yeah, are a mess. So if it's like those two, and then you can like, you know, maybe the Chargers, I mean, they've they've been taken down to the wire by Baltimore by um the Browns. Yep. They've they've had they've had some humanizing moments. Yep. So I think that that would factor into the beatable games, but yeah, I would say it's more yellow. I yeah, you'll you'll hear where I'm at here okay. shortly. Okay, eleven and six. This is again if they orange, beat the Cowboys. Orange. orange. Okay, so now sure. you're thinking eleven and six is very possible because you'd be a six seed at that point. Like I, they're not winning the division. Green Bay is winning the division, so one of those final three seeds. I think you're the six seed at that point. So does that mean if they beat the Cowboys, you have a lot of confidence of what they can do in the yes, next stretch? It that does. that does not derail them. That they mostly get through that. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're not going to go four and zero during it. Right. No. But you'd believe that they could go three and one, maybe. Three and one, two and two. Okay, that's in the orange. Two and two is probably my more orangey bet. How about ten and seven? Ten and seven, red. That would be a perfect one. That'd okay. be my complete confidence meter. Because right. I still think that this is a team that gets into the playoffs, but barely. Like, they are the last team. They're probably the sixth or the seventh seed. Yeah, I think they're better than New Orleans because Jameis Winston is yes, New Orleans Yes, and I watched that Monday night game. Oh I wish I didn't. Yeah. You'll never get, never get the time back. The horror that that was. Uh, how about nine and eight? Red. I agree on red on that. I think nine and even eight. If they beat, this is, yeah. Even if they beat the Cowboys, I think that is still a very realistic thing for them. Just knowing what's next. Knowing the defenses that they have to face. Knowing that they still have Green Bay twice. Chicago is not a complete sweep at this point because they still have to go to Soldier Field. And they're like we never talk about this, but there's Pittsburgh at the end of the season. Yep, good defense. Which, which, yeah, I mean Ben Roethlisberger, I do not think will be playing at that point. But like you still have to go against a very good defense, or he's just still quite bad. But you know the defensive lines have always been a problem yeah. for the Vikings. It could end up looking like a Cleveland game. Uh, eight and nine. If they beat Dallas, I would say that that's probably going into yellow for me. Oh, okay. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And anything under eight and nine, then is that all blue, or do you think seven and ten is still on the table? Could they I, win no, and then no. have disappointment after? Oh, you can easily do that. This is the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> like, you can easily have a big win there and mm-hmm. then collapse, and then Detroit gets their first win of the season on December fifth. I think that's a um, what what was I saying? So it's a seven and ten. Seven and ten is yellow, then. Yeah, I put it in the same category that I had as like an eight and nine, and anything less. Than that is that blue or no? I think that the, I mean still on the table. Anything less than seven and ten be like six and eleven. Yeah. yeah, probably blue. That would be a complete collapse. That would be like, yay, never, we beat Dallas and then and just then, stop playing. I mean, unless somebody gets hurt. But like, like we talked That's about true. the last time that we podcasted, Kirk has never had these stretches where it's like amazing Kirk and then off the cliff Kirk. He's had lulls, but he's never gone like completely off the deep end where he's like tanked the rest of the season. Right. So I don't anticipate that being the case, but. You know, with that said, could this still be a team with a losing record? Sure, mm-hmm. absolutely. But 
in my mind, they're not winning the division. I never picked them to win the division. They will be a six or a seven seed at most this year. Yeah, and I wanted to, because I got a comment on the website about this from a listener, and so I wanted to clarify, because when we talk about Kirk and his hot and cold stretches, that, like you said, it's usually not so bad that a team goes all the way in the tank and just loses and loses and loses when he has a downstretch. I think the point is he hasn't had one yet, and he's always had them within seasons where there's you know a lot of really good games and then there's lesser games which you know yes does exist for a lot of quarterbacks but you're 3 and 3 and so the margin for error is very thin when it comes to that so when a quarterback has not had any downturns really for the whole season even in the bad scoring games he played all right mm-hmm. against uh, Cleveland and against especially Detroit I thought he played well and they just sort of let him down with their sure. play calling but um, so when you haven't had a down stretch or a three interception game or something that he's tended to have for his entire career, you know, the fumbles that he's had have bounced back into yep. his hands mm-hmm. or been ruled not a fumble against Carolina when it was pretty borderline. I, th- I think then you say there's a very thin margin when you're three and three or when you're fighting for a six or seven seed that if that does happen, you can dip below what you should be able to reach as a team. I think that's the point. And that's where you would have a very reasonable concern that that's around the corner. That's the, mar- the point the mar- Well, that. because how does he play when the margin for error is very thin? He plays tight. So either he's doing a, either he did a better job of blocking out the noise or he just kind of felt like, screw it. This, like, that's what he knew he had to do. And, yeah, the team did let him down in moments in the 3-3 three and three stretch, but they still got to 3-3. Three and three. How can you play? How how do you play? How tight do you play, or how loose do you play when if you have a winning record? If you're four and three, knowing okay, I cannot let my foot off the gas right now. Yep. That's the type of cousins because they've been in that spot before. Like remember when they were like eight and three after Denver in 2019, and kind of what happened down the stretch there to become right. ten and six. Like they were they had a they had a, th- a five game you know differential between wins and losses, and they ended up as a wild card team. So I don't, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, but that's what I think people look at when they talk about Kirk and like what's around the corner. It just mm-hmm. kind of always feels like that's, I mean, the head coach clearly yep. with the decisions to play for field goals and, and things like that have kind of all plays into the hand of how he, what he thinks about the quarterback. Yep. It's always lurking and there's an opportunity though for him the rest of the way to get the extension, yep. to take this team to a place they haven't been with him at the quarterback position, and to show that later in his career he can put together a full season, not a, well, you start one and five and then you come back. Or like you said, you start, what was it, eight and three, and then you sort of break, fade back to the pack and end up 10 and six, yeah, that kind of 2019. thing. Yeah, um, So that's what they need here. They've Because of those first couple of games, they've left very little margin for – an Atlanta game like from last year. And so and it just, it always feels like one of those is coming and this year. It's probably Detroit. If it comes at all <laughs> could be, well, they, I mean the fact that Detroit actually plays defense now, yeah, yeah. that's different. Um, so anyway, I'm excited for this one and it'll be a good one. We will be there and we will talk next week about everything that happened as always. So thank you for your time. This was fun. We'll do it again.